0: off of a weekend that saw a spectacular performance from jesse bam rodriguez and much more we are here to recap it all on the fight freaks unite recap podcast i am the somewhat competent host tj reeves he is our insider from bigfightweekend.com our content partner is dan rayfield back aboard to go over what went on in the matchroom boxing a big show that took place in San Antonio with a couple of world title fights. Actually, three of them, including the ladies' world title fight won by Jessica McCaskill. We're ready to mix it up on all of those, recap it as we do, come off the weekend, and do that. Dan, how you feeling off of another fight weekend?
1: I enjoyed that card the other night. It was a little bit of, a little bit of everything. I was disappointed that, the, as we discussed, the Julio Cesar Martinez flyweight title fight was canceled because of his uh, purported illness. But uh, the rest of the show delivered some excellent performances and some pretty good fights.
0: So, uh, in any event, we're going to get to Bam Rodriguez first. His win over Sorung Visai in the main event, with the crowd roaring in San Antonio. A reminder again that we come your way with the Fight Freaks Unite recap on this big fight weekend podcast feed. Right off the weekend, usually out if you're if you're frisky enough here. If you're following us and subscribing to us, you'll get it late Sunday night. Definitely by Monday morning, it's there. Uh, you'll you'll get a notification. You'll get a light. You will get a ding. Uh, If you are following or subscribing, so we encourage you to do that. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to worry about a social media link, the Big Fight Weekend website. You'll automatically get the recap on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get it. By the way, I have an update. We have been inundated with people that have been reviewing the podcast. Keep it up. And I'm going to do the drawing with Dan uh, coming uh, later this week for the Tyson Holyfield One Hat for the 1996 fight, dubbed Finally, I Have Got the Authentic Hat that they Sold for that November 96. 96- about we have been if you're just hearing me say this for the first time we have been giving the call out dan for people to rate and review the podcast and uh, i said the first 10 of you that do that and we have gotten to 10 and i am going to then uh, draw here and we're going to leave everybody that's rating and reviewing that doesn't win we're going to have another giveaway coming up in july keep rating and reviewing because we're going to draw somebody else to win something in july but i know Uh, You echo me. Thank you to the audience. They're doing what we asked, which is rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts because it will help other people, the more of you that do that, see us and find us through Apple Dan, Definitely
1: appreciate it. And I think it's also extremely important to let them know that the hat is not worn by
0: your big head. (laughs) That's right. My cranium has never been inside of that. My dome has not. This is an unworn uh, and I have preserved this thing for 20 right at five and a half years. Uh, along with a couple of other hats, never wore it, just kept it, hung on to it because of the Holyfield upset. It is yours. Somebody is going to get this hat. I will send it to them. And you keep leaving breadcrumbs at the July prize is a recent fight. And you're going to do a fight poster and somebody's going to get a kick out of it. Right. Absolutely. More breadcrumbs or what?
1: No, people who follow me know I'm a big collector of that sort of thing. And so when there's these fights that occur, whether it's programs, posters, whatever other sort of stuff is available, Uh, I try to acquire multiple uh, pieces of it, use it. I I don't sell stuff, but I'm happy to have extras in my collection, and I'm certainly happy to trade things, which I have done. But for this particular fight, a pretty big deal. uh, I've got a few extra posters, and I'm going to, uh, make one of our listeners listen off we have that. because a real cool poster.
0: listen to that. So keep rating and reviewing. We'll do that in July. The fight poster is July. We're giving the hat out coming up later uh, this week. It is tomorrow. It was the 27th for Tyson Holyfield 20... two. I believe it was the 27th. We got to look at yeah, this. It's week. coming
1: up in the next couple of days. I actually just did. I watched this morning, Sunday morning. They had a, a, a feature piece on sports center, which mm-hmm. was kind of a tongue in cheek, sort of irreverent look, uh, a different sort of take on it 25 years later of what actually happened to the piece of the ear uh, that came off of Holyfield. And they spoke to different people that (laughs) had custody of it at different times. Flip Homansky, the ringside physician, uh, the person that was at the MGM cleaning up the ring that found it. Uh, One of the people at the hospital, one of the people that was in the, um, I guess, ambulance or a person that took Evander to the hospital, uh, as well as Evander, Evander himself. It was it was pretty cool. It was like 10, 15 minute piece, but it was worth it because
0: for. there was a belief they could reattach part of it. If they found it as disgusting as that is, I don't know if they ever did that. If they just did the plastic. No, they, didn't. God, they didn't Gross. I disgusting. mean, actually,
1: you know, it's funny. Like I see Evander occasionally and, and we're friendly and, and uh, not that we've done this recently, but in years past, when I've uh, been with Evander, you know, he actually makes light of it. Like he wears it almost like a badge of honor. Like he's not embarrassed to have literally, like, if you look at it, there's a piece of ear missing. Most definitely was not reattached. Yep. And uh, again, as he jokes in the feature piece, which I've heard him joke to me personally, he'll say stuff like, you know what, it was worth the $35 million that I got paid for that fight <laughs> to give up a piece of my ear. You know, somebody says I'd give up a finger, I'd give up a thumb, I'd give up a leg, whatever. He gave up a piece of his ear and got a huge amount of money uh, and and a piece of uh,
0: boxing, not the greatest piece of boxing history, but Uh, It is what it is. I just looked it up as we talked Tyson Holyfield too. And again, a reminder to the audience, the hat that we're talking about is from the first fight. Finally, Tyson Holyfield won, uh, which was November of 1996. By
1: the way, that's the good fight. That's the great fight. That was a really exciting
0: fight. The the second one was Holyfield dominating the first round. And then Mike Tyson just unraveling psychologically and purposely fouling him uh, in the second and the third round. So, in any event, uh, we'll give that away. I just looked, and my twin daughters, Riley and Abby, shout out to them. They turned 14 years old Tuesday as we release release the podcast, June 28th. The anniversary of Bite Night is June 28th, Tuesday, June 28th, 1997. So 25 years ago, Tyson Holyfield two, 14 years ago, Riley and Abby Reeves joined the uh, joined the planet uh, and and joined the human race. So, congrats on all of that. So yeah, we'll, we'll reminisce and we'll probably bring back some stuff on bigfightweekend.com uh, reminiscing in the historical perspective of Tyson Holyfield. And, and you, and, yeah, you know, on. I'll be, you know, I'll be tweeting out pictures of the poster. Oh yeah. And, and all the artifacts and all the stuff, because that was just before you began covering, but you still collect from that night. I still remember this Dick Vital, the Dickie V awesome, baby, the basketball analyst. That was the first time he had ever attended a world heavyweight championship fight. So you have that bizarreness bizarreness a correct word bizarreness in the ring. And then after the ring, they're at the MGM grand in and around the casino. And suddenly shots were fired in the casino and there's people running everywhere. And vital said, that's the scare most scared he had ever been with he and his that, wife, Lorraine for all that. He's like, I'm not, I don't think I'm going back, baby. I'm not going well, back to boxing. First of all, not a good night for boxing, but
1: Dick vital uh, who who I knew because of my uh, work at ESPN for many years. And actually not to belabor the point, but i had actually met him when I was a college mm-hmm. journalist and interviewed him for my college newspaper. Uh, and he was tremendous. And what a, what a great man he is just a beautiful yes. human being. Agreed. Um, but he did not give up boxing because I will tell you that in years beyond that, uh, Holyfield Tyson fight, he came to Las Vegas, um, and had attended other fights. And at one point I know, uh, because I was working for ESPN and they were kind of giving Dick and his, and his wife a hard time. Um, I actually, myself and Brian Kenny, my co- my former colleague at ESPN, we helped kind of grease the wheels to get him a credential to get him down in, a, in an area where he wouldn't be bothered by everybody so he could attend. Uh, I believe it was a weigh-in for one of the Mayweather fights. Uh, wow. But uh, Dickie V is just a great guy. If I, wow. You know, The most nice, like the nicest, realest guy you'll meet. Like the, the, the personality and the enthusiasm and the, and the coolness that you see in the TV uh, or hear him on a radio program or whatever, that's who he is a lot of people fake it Dickie v is what you see is what you get i mean
0: he may not shout and scream but he's just a just a just a wonderful guy And I'm going to blow you away here if you've not been keeping up with this. Obviously, he's been battling cancer. He's been having voice problems. Dick Vitale is 82 years old and still has the energy of a 42-year-old doing this. And we wish Dick well to be able to come back for this college basketball season. His goal, his dream is to still be back for one more or more seasons, calling games around college basketball as an analyst. He lives not far from where I'm sitting, hosting this podcast. I promise we're getting to the boxing in just a second. He lives just south of me in Sarasota. They have raised with his... Uh, Dick Vitale Gala and the Jimmy V Jim Valvano Foundation tens of millions of dollars every year through the V Foundation for Cancer Research and in particular Dick Vitale's Gala has now are you ready for this Dan Rayfield raised over $30 million for pediatric cancer cancer with kids heartbreaking stories you and I are parents heartbreaking stories of people with kids with cancer kids dying with cancer they've raised not $3 million, not $6 million or $10 million, $30 million for pediatric cancer, and that's Dicky V, baby. He is awesome. So keep it up, Dicky V. While we get on that tangent, and hopefully he feels better and can do the basketball season. How about that? We're intertwined with there a we little uh, Dick Vital uh, on that. All right, let's get into it. Fight Freaks Unite recap. Bam Rodriguez, uh, very impressive in his uh, junior bantamweight world title fight in front of the home fans. A knockout. Of Srisaket Solrung Visai, tell me what you saw out of that uh, early TKO win. He was dominant. I saw the birth of a potential star,
1: of a guy that has the potential to be on the pound-for-pound list for years to come. People have to remember that he's only 22 years old. He's a young, the youngest champion in boxing, first fighter born in the 2000s to become a world champion. He fights with a maturity of a person much older than him, he has a really good head on his shoulders. You can tell just in his interviews, he was very poised in the fight. And the fact that just in February of this year, he's considered a prospect preparing for a 10 round undercard fight in, uh, at 110 pounds. So technically in the flyweight division, and then on six days notice, he gets the notification that Sai has come down with COVID and is not going to be able to fight Carlos Quadras for the vacant WBC title at 115 pounds. He was on the undercard. He was offered the fight. He accepted it without hesitation. On six days notice, he goes up in weight. He takes on uh, a a crafty, experienced, former champion, still a quality fighter uh, on that kind of short notice, wins handily, knocks him down with a beautiful uppercut early in the fight, wins a decision, claims the title to become the youngest champion. Now, he didn't go and just rest on that and say, let's go home. Let's do an easy defense. He took on Sarangisai, who I think most people would acknowledge was probably, at least on paper, a tougher fight than it would have been against Quadras. And so what did he do? He took him on in the hometown uh, fight, and he didn't just win. He totally dominated. He won every single minute of the fight practically. Uh, Sarangisai had been off for 15 months. Uh, Certainly was not what he was at his peak when he was, you know, scoring a knockout against Chocolatito Gonzalez, for example. But this was a guy that had been a champion twice, I consider him to be a borderline Hall of Fame fighter. He's been one of the best fighters in his weight class for a long time. He has been uh, recognized by many people, uh, maybe not in the most recent couple of years, but certainly at points in his career as somebody on the pound for pound list. Um, part of uh, what what we've called sort of the four kings of this era, of that small weight class, him, Quadras, Sorongi, uh, Sarangi Side Quadras, Chocolatito, and of course, Juan Francisco Estrada. They've all fought each other. Um, he's a top-notch, quality fighter, even if he was a little bit older, nobody had ever done that to uh, in terms of his championship level. Now, yes, he got knocked out in his first two fights as a professional a million years ago when the guy had no experience and was coming out of fighting, uh, you know, I guess Muay Thai, which is a popular combat mm-hmm. sport for a lot of the younger fighters in Thailand when they're just starting up, but he came into boxing. But ever since he got to the world-class level, you know, and he's fought a lot of quality names, no one ever just completely dismantled him. He got dropped He got taken apart. He got beat up. He got stopped by a young kid that has the whole world in front of him. He is something else to watch. And he's exciting. He's interesting. He he can do a lot of different things. He fights with both hands. I've seen him fight, go backward, go forward. Likes to mix it up. Seems to take a good shot. I mean, you know, it's like Eddie Hearn said in his post-fight interview on Zone with Chris Mannix. You know, we live in a world of hype. You don't want to get too excited and too over- Uh, over, over crazy about what he can do. But it's hard not to get excited when you see what this young guy has done, not just on Saturday, but what he did in the previous fight in February.
0: Agreed. And uh, when you see stats like, and I said, I said uh, early in that fight, but it was actually an eighth round TKO uh, that he got. And rightfully so that was the right thing on the stoppage. When you see a stat like Bam Rodriguez landed 233 of 431 punches. I mean, that is a serious connect rate, as you know, Dan. Uh, And a lot of those were power shots out of the Southpaw stance. You see a lot of potential. We do not want to get too far ahead of it, but you see a lot of potential. So in the, In the final analysis here, what do you think is potentially next for him? Because this was certainly a statement win for Bam Rodriguez.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, A statement win for sure. I mean, I thought the Quadras win was a statement win, and it just shows you the mentality. A guy who was not known by base I mean, I knew about him, and boxing Mm -hmm. diehard is probably knew about him. Robert Garcia, his trainer, has been telling me about Bam Rodriguez for the better part of five years, probably since the kid was like 1 or 2 and oh. So I'm aware of him. I had him on my prospect list a couple of years ago, whatever. But to go from unknown to two major title win, you know, two wins in in title fights in back-to-back fights just over the course of a few months, that's how you become a big name in boxing. Uh, You know, even in the smaller weight classes is when you not only do you fight top guys, you're fearless about doing so. Weight's not a concern. Uh, You know, it's like Eddie Hearn said and Robert has said, you know, we're not worried about who we're matching the guy with because we know we've got the cream of the crop there's no doubt in my mind at this stage of the game uh, that he is one of the best fighters in the world in those smaller weight classes. And again, I'll paraphrase what Eddie Hearn said in his interview. Is there anybody from 108 pounds, which is where he thinks he can go down to if necessary, possibly 112 to win a title in his next fight, certainly could stay at 115. But is there anybody from 108 pounds in the junior flyweight division to the 115 pound junior bantamweight division slash super flyweight division that you would make a favorite to beat Bam Rodriguez. And uh, as much as I have love in my heart for guys like uh, Juan Francisco Estrada and uh, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, at this stage of their careers, it's hard to look at a matchup with those two guys and make them the favorite against Bam Rodriguez. Now, who he's going to fight next is a different story. Now, his brother, Joshua Franco, is the WBA's regular champion in the 115-pound division. So they're actually holding belts in the same weight class at the same time. He is the mandatory for the full cha- you know, for the, the super champion in the WBA, which is Estrada. They had a purse bid. Golden Boy is supposed to be doing the fight. It remains to be seen if they'll actually go through with it because he also could potentially fight uh, Chocolatito Gonzalez. Whoever Joshua Franco doesn't fight would be a, a great matchup to see uh, Bam Rodriguez fight against. I'm not sure if Estrada or Chocolatito are too interested in that fight. You know, you know, that remains to be seen. But sign the bottom me line interrupt.
0: Is, sign me up for chocolatito and Bam yes. if it could happen. But you're saying uh, it it may be that it's his half brother Franco that gets that fight instead. We don't know.
1: There there was also the the, the the possibility, and this was discussed after the fight. That and and Bam said this also that he's interested in dropping down to 112 pounds, which is more his more natural weight division, I guess at this point to to win a title in that division as well. And so uh, the champions in that weight class, uh, you know, he's like whoever wants it can get it. So uh, knowing. The mentality of the fighter, knowing the mentality of Robert Garcia, who's going to have a lot to say about who he fights, and certainly knowing the types of fights that Eddie Hearn, the promoter, likes to make, it would not surprise me at all if they find this young man some kind of meaningful fight in his next match. The, the good thing is they want him to stay busy. I think he can fight two more times this year. Sometime, probably, you know, in the early part of the fall, and maybe one more time at the end of the year. Um, He's got a bright future. What can you say? I, I, wait, wait, I, I wait. Just, a fighter I might love... actually
0: fight four world title fights in the same year. What year is this? Are we going back to the '80s and the '90s? These guys usually we struggle to get them in the ring twice. You're you're like I'm rubbing my hands, even though the audience can't see see me. You're intriguing me. He might fight twice more before yes. the end of 2022. Wow. Keep in mind that
1: the the the, the dates are there from Matchroom Boxing, and and this this is part of that equation. Bam Rodriguez is not at the point yet where, from a financial point of view, they can't afford to put him in the ring four times. Mm-hmm. He's making good money now, six figures, obviously, but it's not to the point where they can't afford to have him fight and they can help continue to build his name, uh, whether it's in his hometown of San Antonio or elsewhere. Uh, so I don't think, there unless there's uh, an injury or something along those lines, and there should be absolutely no, he took no punishment on on Saturday's fight. He should be, you know, frankly, be, uh, you know, you looked at him in the interview, you didn't look like we have the mark on him. Uh, so there's, to me, unless an injury comes up, uh, it's good for him to be active. It'll help him maintain, uh, making the weight. so I don't see any reason why he won't fight two more times this year. Uh, that's what they, they say they want to do. It seems very reasonable to me. We're only in, uh, you know, the end of June. Uh, he's fought twice in the first half of the year. No reason why he can't fight. Like I said, you know, September and then we begin like November, October, you know, December. The point is two more times this year is not out of the realm. And that's how you make yourself a big name. And uh, you win the kinds of fights he's winning against Quadra, Sarangisai, in the impressive fashion that he's doing. Maybe you pick up a title in the flyweight division in your next fight. The point is, not only is he making a name for himself, he's putting himself in consideration for the
0: pound-for-pound list, and he's putting himself in consideration for fighter of the year. Love this insight from Dan Rayfield. We're here for a few more minutes. Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast. The main car that we're recapping is the matchroom boxing show that was in San Antonio, Texas. The co-feature fight saw the unified junior featherweight champion, MJ uh, Akhmadalyev, victorious. And man, you talk about dramatic. Uh, It looked like a hand injury. He certainly was bothered by a hand injury. Was he going to be able to overcome that? Uh, you and I had fun on the US show on whether this fight would go the route or not. It almost, almost, almost did go the route before MJ did get a 12th round a TKO over uh, Californian veteran, Ronnie Rios. All right. Your thoughts watching this, especially when MJ hurt the hand apparently early in the fight and persevered on Dan Rayfield.
1: Listen, he showed a lot of, a lot of uh, grit to, to get through that. Uh, clearly there was an injury. Uh, I liked his comments at the end of the fight, you know, translated where he said that his trainer at his corner told him to go get Ronnie Rios in the 12th round. Don't worry about the pain. <laughs> okay. Just fight through it. Like easy for them to say, you know, he's right. not the one, uh, they're not the ones that are having the issue. But in any event, uh Dahlia is an excellent fighter. I thought it would go the distance. Uh, he got the knockout. He performed very well. Uh, Rios had a couple of good moments in the fight, but as I said in the pre-fight stuff, he's just been good enough to lose these types of matchups. He's just, He's a good fighter, but he's not He's not at that world championship level. He's just a notch below, proven once again, uh, having lost a one-sided fight, uh, or not one-sided, but not the most competitive fight, let's say, when he fought for the WBC belt uh, in this weight class against Ray Vargas back in 2017. had suffered another loss since then, and now he's taken on uh, Akhmedaliev, who, in my estimation, at the very least is on the a, on a same level as a Ray Vargas, maybe even a little better than a Ray Vargas. So this was a pretty big step up for him. Uh, compared to the types of opponents he has been facing. And so Aqua winning the fight was no way a surprise. We both picked that as an outcome. The fact that he got him in the 12th round um, with a hurt hand and finally let that left hand go. Uh, good stoppage he put him on the floor. He got up and Rios. So I'm not taking anything away from Ronnie Rios. He's a warrior he came to fight. He uh, he didn't he didn't he, just, he just, just bag it when he got knocked down late and he was way behind on the cards. Um but what can you say, MJ with a with a resounding victory, that's how you close the show. That's how you make people want to see you fight somebody else in the future some other bigger fight and what i was happy to see and i'm still skeptical about it because that's just me you had him saying he wants to unify the division in his interview afterwards he's got two of the belts stephen fulton jr has the other two belts and keep in mind stephen fulton jr just a couple of weeks ago had a one-sided victory against danny roman which is the opponent that mac medallia defeated to win those two belts in the first place uh, in a much closer fight than Fulton had, but he is interested in those types of fights to unify. So Stephen Fulton afterwards tweeted, you know, uh, I'm paraphrasing, I forget the exact words, but, you know, let's unify by the end of the year. And Eddie Hearn uh, responded to that tweet mm-hmm. saying 100%, nothing standing in the way or whatever he wrote, but absolutely no issues. Um, you know, I'm not convinced of that because Stephen Fulton fights uh, in the PBC universe. Akhmad certainly fights in the matchroom boxing the zone universe, but that would be, not It's not a big fight from the standpoint of money and even from like ratings, but if you're a diehard fan, man, that's a fight you want to see.
0: So two variables. We don't know how messed up is the hand. We might not know that answer for a little while and they may keep it secret. Does he have to have hand surgery, whatever? I thought it was interesting. Sergio Mora was talking as the analyst, love the Latin snake on DAZN and Todd Grisham was uh, kind of uh, pressing him on. Hey, have you ever fought through an injured hand? He said, yeah, I messed up my thumb. Uh, in in a fight, and I actually had to have thumb surgery and take time off. We don't know what MJ did to the hand or not, so that could sidetrack him for a little while. I'll say this, though, TJ. That's variable one. Yeah, go ahead. The fact that he was
1: able to unleash it the way he did in the 12th round and score with it on several occasions with some big punches, again, I'm not a doctor. We haven't seen it. But that tells me at least I I think it's not that bad because he was able to do that. If it was that bad, he wouldn't have been able to probably do that. And it's more sometimes it's a mental thing and a physical thing, so at least it, on the surface it didn't seem like it was something that was that dramatic. Maybe you'd need some time off and rested, and maybe you know ice it and do some rehab, but. I don't know if it arises to the point where it's as damage, where it's going to keep them from fighting another fight this year.
0: So the second thing would be if it's not the undisputed. And again, this is factions and they they can't ever come together. And, and Al Heyman and PBC keep it exclusive as much as they can. If they have their fighter and their fighter has the titles Uh, what's next for MJ. If it's not an undisputed fight, is there another name that is sitting out there at uh, at 122 pounds that might be interesting to you or or we just got to play wait and see?
1: I mean, I guess you play wait and see. I don't really see there being some obvious uh, opponent out there. I think that had Danny Roman performed a little better against Fulton, you could make the case that maybe they should do the rematch, even if Danny had lost just because of the close nature of their first fight. But now Danny is also in that PBC universe and it was such a wipeout against Fulton. I don't think there'd be really any demand at this point, uh, unless Danny was able to get back into the groove. So you know the 122 pound weight class is kind of top heavy um there's some very good fighters at the very top but it doesn't have a huge amount of depth in my mind but there's guys out there it's just you know are they are they makeable because pbc does have
0: uh, involvement with a lot of those fighters uh i think we just wait and see maybe it's a british maybe it's a british fighter from from hern and Matchroom that mj ends up fighting in that weight class i don't know Maybe they it's make possible. A I mean, I'm not know. even
1: sure. I'm not even like none of the names are coming to my mind, obviously, because uh, he's got two belts and the fight that he just had on Saturday night against Rios was his uh, one of his mandatories. You know, at some point there'll be a second mandatory. So it's conceivable that there might be another mandatory coming down the pike for him. But uh, at this point, you know, you would hope that they could that they could make the undisputed fight, because typically if you notify or, or ask for permission from the sanctioning bodies, you know, in a reasonable amount of time ahead of time uh, they will allow a unification fight. It's in the, it's in the IBF rules, number one. So they wouldn't have to worry about that. If, as long as you do it within the time frame, and the other organizations, you know, usually are pretty reasonable when it comes to that type of situation. So if they could make a unification, I don't think we'd have to worry about there being a mandatory that would mess that up. But uh, hopefully, hopefully Stephen Fulton and Akhmedaliev and Eddie Hearn are serious about wanting to do that fight. And that on the Stephen Fulton side, that, that they can, uh, you know, come to an agreement with, with his own promoter and with PBC, that that's a fight that we can pursue. And, uh, it's like I said on the preview, if you can't figure it out, like do a sealed bid, have the zone, uh, and natural put up what they can pay for a license fee have PBC slash Showtime slash TGB promotions, you know, put their number down and whichever one puts up the most money, they get to televise the fight. I mean, that seems, uh, very fair. It's unlikely. Maybe I'm on my soapbox, but, um, you know, that's the fight to
0: make. All right. Um, And on the recap, in the recap mode, two other fights on that card before we're done. Jessica McCaskill uh, successfully defended all of her women's world welterweight championships. She's the undisputed champion. Uh, Was very impressive, not unexpectedly. Alma Ibarra was the opponent. She stopped her after three rounds, didn't knock her down, but hurt her two two or three times in the fight with hard right hand. She won. And Raymond Ford, the prospect, I specifically listen. Look, I listen to you anyway. I specifically listen to Dan Rayfield on, uh, on this different stuff. I wanted to check out Raymond Ford because you kept mentioning him in the preview mode, and I saw that impressive win in his undercard fight. So there were two more fights of interest. Quick thoughts on both of those before we're done. Well, as it relates to Jessica McCaskill,
1: this was the kind of fight to sort of just keep the chains moving. Uh, you know, Alma Albar is a tough woman, and, you know, she, she didn't show up, in my opinion, compared to what I thought she would. She was nowhere near uh, the warrior, let's say, that we've seen in the past. Um, she quit on the stool after the third round. It is what it is. Um, but for McCaskill, she's a very dangerous woman in that weight class. She's, you know, clearly the best at, at, at this time. And the funny thing about it is, like, she only weighed like 144 pounds for the fight in a welterweight fight. I don't think there's any doubt that if she wanted to, she could continue to make 140 where she used to have a title, uh, you know, several years ago. Um, The question now is, you know, can, can they get her a bigger fight? I mean, Eddie Hearn was able to deliver, you know, a big mega fight for Katie Taylor, who's his other top woman boxer in the stable that he uh, promotes. Uh, Obviously he was able to make the fight with Amanda Serrano, but McCaskill, she can fit in the, in the equation with anybody out there, Uh, you know, probably from lightweight, even up to maybe junior middleweight, potentially um she's really good and she's actually usually very entertaining to watch um she gets a, a title defense under her belt under all of those belts uh, so to speak and uh she did it very impressively like you said she basically walked right through uh, alma Abera, made her quit and uh, that's all she wrote um took no damage it seemed to me and i guess they could have her back in the ring uh you know quickly i just hope that they can get her you know some type of uh quality opponent as far as ray ford goes look when he fought his last fight prior to saturday he looked terrible. He barely won a split decision. He was lucky to walk out of the ring. He was on the undercard back when BAM B Quadras in uh, I believe it was in February in Phoenix and he got a let's be honest, he kind of got a gift in that particular fight and he had had a draw in a fight earlier and so his his level of prospectness, if that's a word, was kind of diminished to a like degree. <laughs> you know, so he became a little bit more of a suspect than a prospect. But the way he performed the other night it felt it felt to me like he, he and his team, they went back and they they uh, put whatever the, the negativity was about what happened in February and they put it behind them. They went and looked at the tape. They worked on a few things in the gym. Now, granted, he was fighting just a regular kind of opponent. But you could see that Ray Ford, uh, you know, made some improvements. Uh, he was snappy with his punches. He was good on defense. He just did a really good job against uh, an undefeated opponent, one. Um, you know, two scorecards had it a shutout. One had it nine rounds to one. It certainly could have been a shutout. Nine rounds to one seemed uh, pretty reasonable, but he totally dominated the fight. And from from the perspective of Ray Ford, you know, it was was good for him because originally he was on the before the bell part of the card, which is still available to watch on the zone, but it's obviously not seen by as many people that are watching the main card. When the Julio Cesar Martinez uh, 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 fight dropped out, his fight was elevated to the main card. So more people got a chance to see him. And the kid looked good. Uh, and, you know, his prospectness is now more elevated than it was just a couple of days before this fight. So let's see if he can continue to improve and become uh, somebody that you will have uh, respect for and want to see in a bigger fight in the featherweight division but he's, I, he's he's making his path along the way
0: yeah it was a good win for him and on the 25th anniversary of tyson holyfield which don king promoted i love the invoking of words like prospectiveness or prospectness i mean i did not use the word trickeration you did not use mass trickeration uh i love all this uh somebody all um, somebody look it up and tell us we're wrong. In any event, there is the recap. Anything else uh, that struck you off that show in San Antonio? We're going to rock on now into the month of July. That basically wraps up in terms of championship fights. What we had here in June, anything else, Dan Rayfield before we're done. Listen, we I just good? thought
1: it was, a, I just thought it was a, uh, the,
0: you know, the Martinez
1: fight dropping out. Notwithstanding, I thought it was a good entertaining show. If you invested your, you know, three hours or so, three and a half hours or so to watch those fights, uh, I think got your money's worth. You got your time's worth. Uh, Bam put on a spectacular performance against a good quality opponent. Maybe not the most competitive fight, but certainly crowd pleasing to watch. Uh, Sarungvasai he tried, but he just did not have the you know the uh, the the youth or the firepower on that night to, to keep up with the young man. Uh, Akhmadaliev looked excellent against uh, a veteran contender and uh, made it um, didn't go the distance. You know when you get knockouts, that's always a good thing. Jessica McCaskill keeps the title undisputed. Uh, keeps the chains moving. And, uh, and Ray Ford bounced back from a poor performance to, uh, you know, I think reestablish himself as a, as a prospect to keep an eye on in the opening fight. You know, it was a good night of boxing, in my opinion, and it was not a busy weekend. That was that was the, the one big television card of the weekend. And now we head into the July 4th weekend with a little bit of, um, you know, a couple of fights, but nothing earth shattering. And hopefully we'll reconvene with some bigger events
0: as the summer moves along. They're all about that, Dan. Excellent stuff. A reminder, again, that we come in in the recap mode off the weekend. That will include July 4th weekend. Dan and I will try to make that happen. July 4th being Monday with the holiday. We'll try to make that happen uh, for next weekend. Uh, Breedas has the cruiserweight uh, title fight in Australia Saturday morning. Joe Joyce the top WBO heavyweight contender has a fight in England Saturday afternoon. There's not much else, as Dan alluded to, but we will come in in the recap mode. Here we've been recapping that matchroom show. Reminder, read the site, bigfightweekend.com. Read Dan as well through his substat, Fight Freaks Unite. We got a Big Fight Weekend preview show coming for the weekend this weekend. And other than that, I think all is good. Dan, have a fantastic week. We thank you for the time, the insight, and the analysis here. My man, appreciate it. And we thank you for listening and finding us as part of Fight Freaks Unite and the Recap Podcast. Bye.